like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you do when life doesn't go according to plan? That moment you lose a job or a loved one or even a piece of yourself. I'm Brooke Shields, and this is is Now What? A podcast about pivotal moments as told by people who lived them. Each week I sit down with a guest to talk about the times they were knocked off course and what they did to move forward. Some stories are funny. Others are gut-wrenching. But all are unapologetically human and remind us that every success and every setback is accompanied by a choice. And that choice answers one question. Now what? I read somewhere that you and Melissa McCarthy used to like to make short movies when you were doing Samantha Who. Yes. It's amazing. Some of the most ridiculous. I mean, listen, I lived around the block from her and Ben. I used to show up at her house with like, look, I just made Zeppelins. And she'd be like, <laughs> what is your problem? <laughs> Go home. She'd be like, I'm trying to like, you know, eat healthy. And I'd, I'd walk in with like, you know, donuts. And they'd be like, listen, <laughs> we have this idea. Let's go film this. And we'd wind up somehow making a, um, a ridiculous short film, roller skating downtown LA, like insane, ridiculous. And anything they said, I was like, yep, I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> I have no, I have no fear in making a jackass out of myself. And it was the most fun and I, I loved it. I loved it. We had a blast. My guest today left me feeling truly inspired. Jennifer Esposito. She's an actress, a filmmaker, a cookbook author, an advocate for the celiac community, and much, much more. We've known each other for decades, actually, and I asked her to join the show after we bumped into each other recently, and I learned more about her incredible new film, Fresh Kills. It took her 10 years to make it, and she did it practically all on her own. I was blown away by her story and think that if she hasn't been on your radar lately, she should be. 
Here is the incredible Jennifer Esposito. Jennifer Esposito. Thank you so much for waking up and spending time with me. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I love it. <laughs> I, um, I have to say, we've known each other forever. I know. My goodness. Well, always crossing paths, but never, sadly, never have gotten the chance to, to work together, which is still in our future, which makes me very excited. Are you kidding? Absolutely. We've only just begun, Brooke. We've only just begun. Exactly. But um, the first thing I want to talk to you about is your incredible, incredible new film. Thank you. And the movie Fresh Kills takes place mm-hmm. on Staten Island in the 80s. Yes. 80s and 90s. Yes. 80s and 90s. You grew up in Staten Island and uh-huh. Brooklyn. Uh-huh. How similar is the film to the to the world you grew up in? Oh my God. It's on the money. It's on the money. And it was <laughs> one of the things that I was determined when people were like, filming in Atlanta, you get a tax break. I was like, listen, <laughs> you don't understand because Staten Island is its own <laughs> beast. It's it's a, a very specific energy that I was after. And it was a very specific world. Talk, talk a little bit about the premise of the film mm-hmm. and, and, and the story. So it's, it's, uh, it takes place in a mafia family. And as we know, we've seen this genre at nauseum and they're still making these movies and it's De Niro and it's Scorsese and it's all these guys we love and it's it's the genre that we're fascinated by but we've really never seen a correct full portrayal of these females. I I wanted to tell this story from when I was a kid to be honest Um, I grew up around seeing mafia uh, families around me and it was the young females that I was obsessed with the violence I saw from them was pretty, pretty uh, extreme. And I I didn't understand where that kind of rage came from. And as I left uh, where I lived and went into this business and to the world, and I realized that rage I understood. And it wasn't because of being in the mafia. It was because of being pushed into a box. And so that's what the film is on the surface about. But to me, what it's really about is finding a voice in a world that tells you not to have one. I mean, it's, it's so amazing because it's, a, it's so much more of a universal predicament. And yet, like you said, it's predominantly, we've only seen sort of the, the, um, the glorification of it in a way exactly. through the men. Exactly. And what's been painted as the women has been from the male perspective, which is tight knit, close family, children. And it's amazing that you've been able to show the other side of that. Thank you. I, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey. It took many years of pitching it around and people saying no. And then I finally was like, so tired of hearing myself complain about the roles I was seeing and I'm not able to get there. And why can't I, I I can do so much more. And it was like, can you Jennifer, then do it. You wrote it, you directed it, you produced it, you financed it, (laughs) which is huge and insane. I will be buried with it. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe. Yes. Yes. But you also start in it. Yeah. And it took you 10 years to make this film. Yeah. 
And it's always amazing to me how nobody really understands how much goes into it. Can you tell me a little bit about how it happened and what that experience was like for you? Oh, my God. Where's the wine? I need a lot of wine for this story. (laughs) You know, I woke up this morning and dealing with yet another hurdle for the film. And and we just won three awards back to back. And it's still a struggle. Um, This business is not uh, kind to or equal to women. We know that. And then when you're a female that has been in the business for so long and people think they know you, it's difficult to get anything made. And then you put that on top of it. And it's like, no one really wanted to read it. No one really cared to help. I didn't even, I, I didn't even have an agent at the time. Like I, I, no one wanted to represent me. It was like, oh, she's done. Just as well. Then you don't have to give any percentage then. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Did you always want to make films? You know, I, when I was a kid, I was, plopped in front of a TV like probably most of us were. And I used to watch West Side Story and like, you know, all of the grease over and over and over and over. And I said, that's what I want to do. And when I got out of high school, I really wanted to go study film at NYU and couldn't afford it. And But I didn't see any role models. You know, we didn't see any role models of, oh, females are making films. It just, it didn't even dawn on me. But I knew that is what I wanted to do. And as I got into acting, I realized that wasn't the dad I was talking about. I, I, I don't think I ever felt completely fulfilled as an actor. So now that I understand and I feel like I found where, where I feel satiated, that's all I want to do now. What is something that you brought to the set as a director mm-hmm. that you're particularly proud of? I, I have to say hearing uh, Odessa Azion is uh, one of the brilliant, I'm I'm not the star of the film. It's really about these two sisters. It's Odessa, Odessa Azion and uh, a, a Zion, she says, um, and Emily Bader. Those are the two, and then uh, Annabella Shiora and Dominic Lombardozzi, fantastic actors. But Odessa said to me one day, she said, this is the most respect I've ever felt on a set. Mm. And you know, as an actress, that was huge because I got it. And, you know, people have talked about the performances a lot in this movie. Like the reviews we've received are incredible. And across the board, it has been about the acting. And it's not like I had a magic wand. I just had deep respect for what they were doing. Their opinion was important. What they had to say, how they felt was important to me. I worked with them prior. I was able to see when they were struggling. It was just a different a different thing. I, don't, I can't say I, I think I ever had that as an actress. And I've had some great directors, but um, it was a different thing. Well, what, I mean, what is so fascinating about that is so I've only had two female directors that I've worked with in in vastly different projects. And what was so interesting was by the time I got to work with female directors, I, I watched myself later when I realized saying to them, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. The men always had an answer for me. Always had an answer. And I did it. I could morph into whatever they wanted. I did the job. We moved on. And that was it. Um, And everybody was happy and it didn't really, I never questioned it. By the Mm -hmm. time I got to work with female directors, it was always put right back to me. Well, what do you think? 
Well, especially with your history of, of, of just being placed and, and all that you've done in your life and your career to finally have a voice in that is so wonderful. It's so wonderful. But I have to say, I, I don't think we, we just got here. We just, we just got here. I know. Like this is, this is new that we're actually allowed to even exist. And we're still not. But to even have a place on set to say, hi, I, I have an opinion. <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you think about this? Or like anyone take you seriously? Cause I've had the same thing where I asked a question and it was like, why is she asking a question? It was, <laughs> That's not supposed to. You show up and you say your lines. And like, I remember I was like, does she have a last name? Does my character have a home? Do it? And it was like, who hired her? It was, she's so annoying. Why is she asking these questions? So I think we just arrived here. I really do. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. 
I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In your book, you write about being bullied as a kid. Mm -hmm. There was a quote. Uh, you were bullied by mafia girls. Did writing Fresh Kills change your opinion of them? Absolutely. And I, I, I don't think I had a particular view, but I think the, the, the anger and the rage uh, that I saw was much more understandable to me. Like I said, I felt myself of being put into a category or a box and I felt like I, I I understood more of of what that must feel like to, you know, be stuck in a slot that you didn't, you know, you didn't ask for. Do you think they were jealous of you? Why do you think they had such rage also towards you? I think it was just rage. Rage is rage. And I think anyone that, you know, maybe had that freedom or, you know, Teenage girls, I mean, mm. there's 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 so much uh, to begin with, and then you put on all the other circumstances that they had. It, I, it was just a violent neighborhood, and and the girls especially were were extremely aggressive, and you know maybe knowing that they were never getting out of this community. You know, I mm. was. You know, that there's a difference. There is a difference to that. Do you what? What do you remember most about, like, what was your childhood like beyond those girls, just in the way you grew up? It was interesting. It was interesting. It was, uh, <laughs> I, I do remember. Yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> it was, um, I remember, you know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a speech at the end, well, a scene at the end, towards the end of the movie that Rose, the lead girl, says, and um. I was speaking to a big producer, a female that saw it just recently and wanted to speak to me. And we talked in depth about it. And she said, you know, that last piece, I felt that piece was so personal. It's like it, it, it totally was. The whole thing is personal. But that last piece, and she says, is it normal that every day of my life I'm afraid and that I don't even feel it anymore? And she says, and I know I'm supposed to be grateful. I'm supposed to be grateful for every last piece of everything, but I'm not. I, what, what if, what if I want something else? And I thought that is absolutely straight from the heart. And, um, it, you know, I did, I grew up, I grew up afraid. I grew up afraid in my house. I grew up afraid outside my house and I grew up wanting to run. Mm. They were of course fun and good times, but I definitely had an overwhelming feeling of the ground underneath me never being completely still. You know, it's, Also, something that really strikes me about you is the fact that you actually lived for so many years with chronic pain Mm -hmm. from celiac disease, Mm -hmm. and it was undiagnosed. When did that Mm -hmm. start? How old were you? It's, oh my God, earliest memories. And growing up Italian, Catholic, all that, 
we're supposed to be pain. We're supposed to have pain and we're supposed to, you know, life isn't yeah. easy and this is what we deal with. And um, I just thought from seeing what I saw growing up that my anxiety from the age of 12 was normal. I thought, you know, my first panic attack and my mother giving me half of a Valium at 15 was normal. I thought it was normal. I thought the stomach pain was normal. I thought, you know, the anxiety, the anxiety got so bad and not a lot of people know this. I had such severe panic disorder by the time I was 20, I think 20, 20, I moved out at 18, put myself through acting school. And then by 22, I had to move back in with my parents because my panic attacks got so bad. I was, I became agoraphobic and I had to relearn how to really get out in the world. And, um, that's when I started to do a deep dive because I was really bad. I started to do a deep dive uh, uh, about nutrition. And that's when I started to understand like, huh, me drinking half a gallon of orange juice in the morning and having <laughs> bagels and pasta, maybe this isn't right for me. But I didn't find out until I was on the set with Melissa McCarthy on Samantha Who. And I had a tooth fall out of my mouth, like literally pop out of my mouth. And I was, my skin was peeling off. My hair was falling out in clumps. And she knew because I, we were very close during that time. And, and I remember looking at Melissa and going, I, I don't know what to do anymore. And she was like, you're not well. And I said, I, I, I know. And I went to a doctor, female doctor, and I just sat there and sobbed and she heard me and she said, okay, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And she tested me and she called me a week later. And she said, when she got the results, she said, I, I've never seen a case this bad before. I don't know how you're alive. Oh. That started the journey to, I have a real problem with injustice. It's a very hard world to live in. Right. And to think of all the years that I was meant to believe that it was something about me that was wrong with my brain or all these medications and all the gaslighting medically, right. going to every doctor, them telling me I was either hypochondriac, I was a girl, I was a dramatic, I, I, I was crazy, I, I had MS, I, I had, I, they told me everything. They had me on every medication and I thought, I have to do something. Once I can get myself to a place where I can see straight, I have to do something. And that's how the books and the bakery came about. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's so interesting how the first knee-jerk reaction is this is your fault and you're a crazy actress and you're a hysterical female and and you'd brought this on and it's psychosomatic Mm -hmm. was there anything else that helped you I mean this this doctor did she follow through and help you along the way um she took me as far as she could she she was a general practitioner um I was with a male and I I say male because um, he he is a man. I w- he was a gastroenterologist, and this was his field. And when she called him with me on the phone, she point blank said, how did you never test her for this? He was treating me for parasites that he never found. I was in the hospital with C. difficile colitis mm. from medication he gave me. I, I mean, I was in quarantine. Like I was, he almost killed me. And she pointed the question. He said, I didn't think about it. I, to be honest, and I, I hate that I always have to go down this journey. I have to be honest. Someone asked me recently, like, do you have a mentor that mentor you in this movie? And it was like, 
No, I wish I did in any and in any area of my life. <laughs> I wish I did. But there was nothing out there at the time when I was diagnosed and this severely that was going to help. There was one person, but there was one very big doctor that was known in this field. And um, it took a, it, it was like six months waiting list. And I knew somebody who knew somebody and got me in right away. And he looked at me and he said, you seriously have one of the worst cases I've seen. And I've been studying this for a long time. He said, I, wanna, I want to study you. I want to make you a subject. Can you do all these tests? And I said, fine. At the time, I was so depleted in vitamins. I um, had no vitamin D left in my system. So even the sun, I was even when I was in the sun, I'd break out in complete hives. It, anything it was taking in that I didn't have was thinking it was uh, an attacking me. So my body was attacking everything. The right. panic attacks, they had me on four Klonopin a day. Four. Four of them. And I still couldn't stop shaking. I was so bad that this doctor just told me to eat gluten-free. And I was like, doctor, like I'm jumping out of my skin. And at one appointment with him, he worked, he was at Columbia uh, Hospital. And I said, I'm jumping out of my skin. I've read enough now to know that I have a lot of deficiencies. Can you please, please keep me here? Because I'm, I'm going to throw myself out the window. I, I don't know what to do. I was vibrating. And he said, okay, go downstairs and go to the left. When you see emergency, don't go to the right. And I do it. And I wound up in the psych ward. And I sat there and I said, what am I doing here? And they said, well, you said you were going to jump out the window. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, that was a figure of speech. I'm a New York Italian person. I'm, I'm being, I'm just speaking. I, I can't feel like this anymore. This is not my mind. And I was still, still, even though they see how ill I am, they still, as a female, looked at me and said, it's your mind. And I cannot tell you the six hours I spent pleading for my sanity that I thought if I ever get out of here, I have to do something. So I can't say that there was much that helped me. I will say this, why I did what I did for the celiac community is because that is the only community that helped me. That's what led me on a journey. It was the celiac community um, on chat groups that were the only help because they were the ones going through it. All I hear is I hear the same little girl mm -hmm. in Staten Island and Brooklyn mm -hmm. with fear and responsibility. It's the same mm -hmm. thing. And here it is repeating itself yep. as technically, I guess, an adult. Yep. It just it breaks my it breaks my heart. I I recently had a seizure and leading up to it, when you say vibrating, I was depleted. Yep. But it was I couldn't keep food down. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was really nervous. Mm -hmm. And I said to my girlfriend, I'm vibrating. I, mm -hmm. I said, I am not in my, I, I can't live in this body like this. And it, and yep. it led to a seizure. But, wow. you know, I had to pass out and seize before anybody was able to say, okay, this is, you know, and this was a, a month period, mm -hmm. not a lifetime like you've endured. It's it's a lot to be not heard. Um, yeah, it's a it's a lot to be not heard uh, for for so many years physically. Again, I saw 
so much suffering with health and stuff growing up that I was always like the champion of like, I guess this is the way it is. And, you know, no one wants to hear about it. So, and, but I did try, but after that, I remember looking out, I had the same apartment that I bought a long time ago. And I remember looking out the window, the same thing I've always looked at and the world looked different. Mm. And I thought, wow, I can't, call 911 if I'm in trouble because they don't know what to do with me. And that's when I started to do the research. I did find uh, an amazing doctor at one point named Dr. Fratellone, who is one of my, he's like my brother now because he literally saved my life. He started helping me with intravenous um, vitamin drips. And, but at the time, I, it was uh, it was it was months before I found him, and I just started jotting down anything I was doing that was helping me, and that's how the book came about because I just wanted to get the information out there, and um, it was a hell of a time, I, I have to say. But I will say this, and I don't take anything away from mental issues and and medication, but I will say if nobody is talking to you about your gut health then they're doing you a disservice because I no longer have any panicked attacks. I don't have them and I'm on nothing. And, you know, and also the message is self-advocacy. I mean, and, and that's some, that's the hardest thing for especially women to do because we're not taught to, you know, Absolutely. we're taught to behave and, and don't make noise and don't rock the boat. Right. And, but we have to self-advocate and, 100%. and that goes across the board. And I'm sure, I mean, what also kills me about this is that for the rest of us who wanted to be watching more of you during that time, I'm sure, you know, your the work that you wanted to do was sacrificed because you you weren't able to do it. I mean, you were a fan favorite on Blue Bloods. Yeah, yeah that was depressing. God, you, you talk about just a lack of willingness in, in your book. You talk about a lack of understanding and a lack of willingness from the people that are show running, you know, are the, are the bosses, but to accommodate mm -hmm. you. It was, be, it was beyond, it was beyond painful. Cause I went and did that as the first job back up on my feet. And it was supposed to be, it was, it was told to me as this is a part-time thing you're going to come in and out as his partner. The show is about his family. And because Donnie and I had such a rapport, I just kept working and working. I was getting paid as a smaller role. And every year we'd go, this isn't okay. And they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to change it. And it never changed. But what really, really upset me is when someone on that, on that in that camp it wasn't everybody, but someone in that camp said, I don't even believe it. I want to see her, her, her records, her, 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 her records of, of this disease. And I was like, okay, now I'm done. And, um, yeah, kept me in a contract and, uh, didn't pay me. And yeah, it was, it was ugly. It was ugly. But like I said, it w wasn't the whole camp. Um, I've since been back. Uh, they want me to come back and do something. And and um, uh, I, I really like a lot of people over there. It's, you know, there's always a few. They look at the woman like, oh, this one. You know, 
she's and they, they you know she's doing that because she wants to get paid equally which I should have been, but that's a whole other issue. But when you're asking someone for their medical records because you don't believe them, I was so done with not being believed that it was like, all right, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm good, I'm good, yeah. Did you get closure? To be honest, Brooke, seriously, and I really do mean this, making my film was so much more to me than just a film. This was retribution on so many fronts, on so many things. You know, when I first came out with Summer Sam, I kind of exploded out of the gate and I was, I was met with a, a Harvey Weinstein kind of situation with a huge producer. And I spoke up and I got blacklisted right out of the gate and I couldn't do it. I didn't do anything for two years. And it was, a, it was one hell of a thing. And I, the trauma of that never went away and it circled my career my entire life so that movie this movie was the gift to the 26 year old who didn't get to do what she was supposed to maybe have done right. you know you always think you know i'm going to i'm going to show you but when you get to that point there was none of that for me i was just so deeply proud of myself that Everything is water under the bridge. I'm now where I feel satiated as as a creative, and I did it on my own. So I'm proud, and nobody can touch that. Well, you know, I mean, again, it's it's at the one, it's two things at the same time. Because at the one, on the one hand, you sort of say like, God damn it, that's, it's all so unfair. And you talk about injustice and it's true. And then on the other, your light never stopped shining. Thank you. There's a purity and a searching for the good, the good in people, the good in situations. Thank you. I call the show Now What? Because it is about pivotal moments in our lives. Good, bad, it doesn't matter. But when we really ask ourselves, oh my God, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, looking back on your life, what's a now what moment for you? The now what moment that I can think of in talking in this whole conversation, it really was, I remember the day perfectly when I sat there and it was right around New Year's, probably five years ago. And I I really just felt so low, like so I was doing work I absolutely, I hated. I was sad all the time. I was so tired of hearing myself complain. I was so tired of like hearing about injustice and I've done all the walks and the, and the, and the times out and the talks and all the, all the stuff. And I really just sat there and thought, nothing has changed. And I thought, again, well, what are you going to do? And I said to myself, you're either quitting, you're quitting and like, that's it. Go and live in the woods where I have a house and go like make some cakes <laughs> and eat your food and shut up and that's it. And I, I said, you're doing that or you're going to sit down and finish writing the movie. And I said, on my deathbed, what am I going to think if I don't try this? Because this is this movie has been haunting me for years. I'm talking decades. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. 
And it was that moment. And I said, every single day, you are going to get up and you are going to do something that's going to push you forward to do this, whether it be write, whether it be call someone, whether it be read something on, on directing and filmmaking, whether it be taking a class, whatever it is, you need to keep moving this forward. And that's what I did. And that's what I did. And, and I, and I, and every day I'm still, I'm still pushing this rock <laughs> up the hill, but it's okay because now at least the vision is out there and we've had such a great response and listen, awards are great and, you know, big movie is great, but honestly, it's seeing that all the while, what I knew I was capable, capable of, I, I did it. And it was exactly how I visioned it. And to see it connect with the audience is everything. That was Jennifer Esposito. Stay tuned for more on her new film, Fresh Kills. That's it for us today. Talk to you next week. Now What with Brooke Shields is a production of iHeartRadio. Our lead producer and wonderful showrunner is Julia Weaver. Additional research and editing by Darby Masters and Abu Zafar. Our executive producer is Christina Everett. The show is mixed by Bahid Frazier. like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now, this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.